With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us, and welcome into Taking You to School. We've been off for a very, very lengthy offseason, but we're back to talk hoops uh, early on in the college and pro basketball season, but never too early for us. I'm your host, Joe Perello of SweetSports.com. That's S-U-I-T-E, Sports.com. Why don't you check us out? we got a lot of football stuff on there, but as the, you know, as the year progresses, we're going to get a little bit more basketball up. And the guy that's going to be doing most of our basketball is our editor-in-chief, uh, our fearless leader. He writes for several blogs in the ESPN True Hoop Network. He writes for Hickory Height, which I believe was just bought by USA Today or acquired by USA Today in some fashion. That's Jeremy Conlin. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you kind of let me in on that? What, what is the deal with the blog you're writing for? It's, it's USA Today now owns it? Um, I'm not completely sure on the details about it, but it's, Mm-hmm. Um, affiliated with USA Today in some fashion, and uh, a lot of our stuff has been posted on the USA Today Sports main page, which has been nice, and we've been getting traffic from there. So we're we're excited about the the connection there. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, for sports, a pretty pretty good affiliation to have. Uh, the USA Today Sports we always talk about their sports section is is great, and I honestly I don't really see other reason to read them. But what, what can you do? Uh, also joining us as always from last year. Uh, he's the editor of roundballdaily.com, one of the better hoops blogs on the net. Uh, also does some local news. I know you've been doing a lot of local uh, high school football, Kells. Uh, Mr. Kells Dayton. Kells, uh, are you ready to kind of transition out of football mode and get back to, uh, get back to the hardwood? Always ready to get back to the hardwood, Joe. It's always, uh, always on my mind, like Carolina, like James Taylor. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, is your, is your uh, high school football season just about wrapped up now? Uh, we've got a couple weeks left, so I have a couple weeks of uh, of top plays uh, that I have to put together. But um, pretty much, pretty much wrapped up, and we know which teams are in the state playoffs. And uh, looking forward to that over on SportsEdge.com, Sports with a Z. If you want to check that out. Ah, all of our alternate spellings. We got Sweet Sports with a UI. We got Sports Edge with a Z. We're just we're just so trendy here. We're very internet age. Uh, <laughs> guys, uh, I guess we'll start with. You know, we'll start with college basketball, as we used to be an exclusively college basketball show, and we started inching more and more. We started using some NBA draft stuff, and we started talking a little NBA. Now we're pretty much just basketball in general. Uh, but I do want to start with the uh, the freshman phenoms that are uh, kind of taking over the country right now. Uh, it seems like every year there's a couple big-time freshmen, but this year even more so with guys that are, are being viewed as not only, you know, instant impact guys at the college level, but as players that you could potentially build an NBA franchise around. Uh, obviously, Andrew Wiggins being the one that's you know been talked about as the, the best prospect since LeBron, but Javari Parker, guys like uh, Randall, uh, obviously just a, a ton of talent right now. Pick a guy at Kentucky, 
uh, any of the freshmen, they're all very, very talented. And uh, I want to go to you first because you're kind of our more of our college guy, and I know you got to watch that Duke-Kansas game. But uh, kind of tell me which freshman has, has kind of stood out that you think this year will uh, be the best player in college basketball. Yeah, Joel, I think uh, Jabari Parker has really stood out so far. I think uh, looking at both guys, I know Parker was the guy on the Sports Illustrated cover at first when you talk about uh, yeah. last year with Sports Illustrated, and then they kind of went to Wiggins. All the attention went to him. He's kind of on all the magazine covers. But I think Parker reminded everyone why they thought he was maybe the best high school player since LeBron uh, when he was coming out of high school. He really looked great. I think uh, he's got the size of an NBA small forward, uh, can play the power forward down low in college, uh, has some good post moves, and he, he's got a jump shot, obviously, a really smooth jump shot. Um, just one of the best strokes I've seen in college from a freshman coming right in. Um, and I think he looked outstanding. I mean, even though Wiggins and Kansas got the win, Wiggins had kind of a, a quiet 22 points in that game, but Parker really stood out, I think, in terms of the better player in that game. I think he had 21 in the first half. Uh, he was outstanding in that game, so he really caught my eye. And I think it's going to be interesting because when you look at Wiggins, and this was the first chance we've gotten to see him on a uh, college level, uh, physically he's kind of skinny. Parker kind of looks like he's more filled out, looks, looks like he's more ready for the NBA right now. So I think Parker was more impressive to me in that game, even though Wiggins' team got the W. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people were feeling that way, and uh, Jabari Parker was – you mentioned that he was kind of the phenom before Wiggins became the phenom uh, and the uh, talked-about guy, and we, we were kind of talking about him as like a mini LeBron, uh, something like that. Wiggins had that, uh, I believe, that crazy dunk highlight reel when he was like in seventh or eighth grade that went viral and went crazy. Then Parker was being talked about as a big-time guy, and then it kind of went back to Wiggins, so – this freshman class obviously just loaded with talent at the top. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to uh, to really sit down and watch any of these guys. Uh, and also, to feel free to talk about any of the guys from Kentucky. They're outstanding freshman class they've got coming in. Uh, maybe a, a Fab Five remake. Uh, kind of who has stood out to you this year, and not just not just for uh, you know who's going to be the best college player, but when you're projecting long term, who impresses you the most right now? Uh, well, to, to piggyback on what Kill said, I definitely thought Parker. Um, so, like, in the the Champions Classic, which was Kansas, Duke, um, and then Kentucky and Michigan State, there were about, like, you know, ten of those guys are probably yeah. going to be lottery picks at some point over the next three years. Um, but I thought Parker was the one that looked the best. Um, and, and like, like Kel said, he definitely has the most NBA-ready body. Like, he's physically superior to Wiggins and Randall right now. Um but the you know if I was going to be you know sort of the turd in the punch bowl, um, there were all these comparisons to LeBron, but it doesn't seem like he has the same um, passing skills that LeBron had at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't I'm not going to say that that's going to prevent him from becoming a great player. Like he's going to be a top three pick mm-hmm. this year, and he's probably going to be a multiple time All Star. Um, but I mean like the LeBron comparisons, like he doesn't have like the outrageous athleticism that was like always you know that that was a given from the get-go um but everybody talked about his passing being on an elite level but he hasn't really shown that so far um like he had his season high in assists is four but that was in 19 minutes against unc Asheville. so maybe as the season gets going and he starts to get used to this team that he's on maybe that starts to pick up but i mean in that kansas game he only had one assist but he like he had a great scoring game he was nine of 18 from the floor scored 27 points um, 
so but like that's one thing that I'm going to keep an eye on going forward is if he can develop that passing. Um, and then, you know, you know, Wiggins looks great. He's a really fluid athlete, but he doesn't really have the, the NBA body yet. He's sort of like Kevin Durant in that he's really, really skinny now. He needs to flesh out a little bit. Um, but I mean, the, the guy that I was most impressed by in the early game was Julius Randle. And, uh, like he had a, a 27-15, something like that, and had a huge second half. Um, his post moves are actually pretty good for a college freshman, um, and they're going to get better not because he's going to develop, but because it's easier to post up in the NBA than it is in college because yeah. of the way the floor is set up. The, the free throw lane is wider, so it's harder to double from across the lane. Um, and the, you know, Obviously, the three-point line is further, so it's tougher for guys to pinch down on you. So there's going to be more space for him to operate once he's in the NBA. And like, you know, If he can keep developing his postgame, he's sort of a throwback player in that. Like, He's a really good face-up drive to the basket guy, but he also has legitimate post moves which we haven't really seen from a, a college freshman in a while. Yeah, you, you don't really see that too much in, in the college game. Even the elite big men that come out, we always talk about is that being kind of the thing they need to do and that their offense needs to catch up their defense. Uh, those always seem to be the buzzwords around even the uh, better big man prospect. Uh, you talked about Julius Randle. We'll get to the team that actually beat Kentucky in that game. Uh, Michigan State now number one in the polls. Hit to them in a second. Wanted to touch on Jabari Parker. Yeah, I mean, who is – I mean, LeBron James was a passing savant at that age. It's just a – man, I always feel like comparing LeBron to compare him to Jordan, which isn't fair, and then to compare these kids to LeBron, it always seems like a, just a real tough deal for that, that next generation because we always just point out what they couldn't do that the guy before them could. Uh, touching on Wiggins, not an NBA body. I, I think most people kind of knew that coming in. But, I mean, does Kevin Durant have an NBA body yet? I don't think so, and he's – so, uh, so quite a player and uh, arguably the best year scorer in basketball right now. Uh, getting to Michigan State, they scored that close win over Kentucky in the, in the Champions Classic, and they're led by Gary Harris, the sophomore shooting guard. They're looking really good. They don't have one of those maybe just overwhelming guys like a Randall or a Wiggins or, or a Parker like some of these other teams have. Uh, Kells, I'll go to you. They, they kind of look like – your traditional, they're going to win games like they beat Kentucky, 78-74. They're going to win, you know, 62-50, to 50, the, those kind of games. They play great defense. I, I want to talk specifically about the, this, the changes in the rules in college, this hand check rule that, that a lot of uh, – there's been a lot more foul calls, quite frankly, <laughs> throughout college basketball in the first week. It's made the games uh, a little uh, kind of hard to watch at some point. Hopefully it will change as, as players and coaches get adjusted. Uh, can Michigan State win with that style? And they're the first Michigan State team to be ranked number one since uh, Tom Izzo won the national championship in 2000-2001 uh, with Mateen Khalid and company. Uh, can Michigan State playing that style and in the Big Ten, uh, you know, are they right now, are they the best team in the country, and do you see them as a legitimate? I mean, I think we have to say they're a national title. As a team, you would look at as one of the favorites. Right. Well, I would look at them as one of the favorites, definitely. I think uh... – I think the thing about the style, I think everyone's going to get adjusted to the new rules and everything. Yeah. Um, it's been crazy when you look at the scoring. I mean, some teams are putting up 100-plus points, which we never see in college because of all these free throws. Um, yeah. But I think Mich when you look at Michigan State, uh, like you said, the inside with Adrian <clears throat> excuse me, Adrian Payne, uh, Gary Harris. Um, so I think you take a look at them. They have the talent. They have more not as much talent when you talk about young talent like teams like Kentucky and yeah. Kansas have and Duke, 
but I think they have the talent and experience that uh, college teams need. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at some of these teams, uh, 2012 Kentucky was kind of a, an anomaly because they had five freshmen and they were able to go on and win the championship. Uh, but a lot of times experience in college basketball wins just because of the uh, the, the style of play and uh, everything that happens in the tournament once you get in there, uh, playing yeah. team basketball wins. And that's what t- Tom Izzo does so well is his teams play so well together. Uh, they play so much better when you get to March, I think you were saying before um, about the fact that we've never seen Michigan State be ranked this high early in the season, basically since Mateen Cleves was there, basically back in those days with Morris, Morris Peterson uh, back yeah. then. So I think I think now you're taking a look at Michigan State, um, and it's, it's interesting to see them back up there. But I think uh, the way that they improve over the course of the season, I think they'll be right there in the end, and, and I really like their team. I think they've got a solid team. I know uh, Columbia almost beat them the other night, but I think they'll continue to continue to get better, and I think they will be right there at the end. Yeah, you mentioned Adrian Payne, a, a guy I didn't even touch on. Maybe their best player, great interior player. He's kind of that uh, inside to Gary Harris's outside. I think he's averaging over 17 points. He's, he's going to be a 15-8 you know, and eight kind of guy all year for him. Gary Harris is going to get, uh, as, the scare, as they kind of move on, he's going to be probably a 20-point scorer for him. Uh, Keith Appling, running that offense, experienced guy knows how to get his teammates involved. And then the one guy that I always talk about with them that, uh, you know, gets kind of lost in the shuffle because they got so many scorers is uh, Brandon Dawson. I mean, that guy's energy. I mean, he's kind of uh, – he kind of rubs some people the wrong way, kind of has gotten kind of this, you know, dirty player kind of uh, uh, moniker attached to him. But he's an energy guy. I mean, I think he's leading them in rebounding right now. He hits the glass hard, especially the offensive glass, gets him a lot of second-chance opportunities. Uh Tom Izzo teams, they're generally better in the tournament than they are in the regular season. So this is a little bit of a role reversal for us to see them like number one right now. Uh, and it really just shows you how much respect people have for the Big Ten, which wasn't the case a couple of years ago. I think it would have been, been impossible for even a team this talented to be ranked number one. Uh, Jeremy, we'll, we'll kind of close out college basketball with you. I know Michigan State's ranked number one, but Kentucky seems to be the most talented team in the country. They're going to grow in uh, into it. Obviously, they only lost to Michigan State by four, so it's not like they're, you know, any of that much, you know, that much worse. Uh, Kansas suddenly they're a, a super young, super talented team, which kind of hasn't been the uh, EMO under Bill Self. Uh, North Carolina they've got some problems. We're not even going to get into them, but Duke looks really, really good as well. Uh, who do you think is the best team in the country right now? Not, not based on resume, because I think you'd have to say Michigan State, but, but who's the team you look at with their talent that you'd be most afraid to play right now? Well, the, the thing with Michigan State is um, I actually think this the new rules are going to be a big advantage to them because, mm-hmm. like, especially in the Big Ten with, like, all the physical defense that's played there, you yeah. know, as opposed to the, the, Pac-12, the Pac-12 and the, the Big 12, which are more, like, wide-open styles. Um, the Big Ten's, like, a really, really physical league, so I feel like there's going to be more of these like sort of hand checky type fouls called in the Big Ten, and when you have a guy yeah. in the perimeter like Gary Harris that's such a good creator with the ball, that's going to be in a position to draw all those fouls. Like I think that's going to be a leg up for them compared to teams like Michigan and Ohio State that don't really have that that central guy that always has the ball and can really attack the basket. So I think that's going to be a, a, a big leg up for them, at least in the beginning of the conference season. You know, by the time March rolls around, maybe everybody's adjusted, and maybe that's when Kentucky starts to rise above, just because it seems like they have the most talent. Um, but you know, at least early in the season, I think Michigan State's going to be the, the toughest team to beat because, as you're still adjusting to these new rules, they're in a position to take advantage of them. 
Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. In the Big Ten, they're the one team in the Big Ten that seems to have uh, two different guys that can really create offense on their own. And like I said, a real energy guy like Brandon Dawson. You know, I, I, Wisconsin's got to hate this new rule because that's all Wisconsin did. You know, they just hand-check you to death and bump you to death and, and win the game 50-48. to 48. So this is a – this rule was pretty much specifically designed to make Wisconsin not good. So we'll see what Bo Ryan can do. He always seems to find a way uh, to get the Badgers to be a, a very, very competitive team and a, you know, a sweet 16 OEA kind of team. Uh, we'll move on to the NBA. And, and, Jeremy, I know you wanted to talk about some teams that had kind of disappointed you in the early goings. Uh, a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that we thought might rise up and uh, make the playoffs and be not only in the playoffs, but fun to watch, teams like Cleveland, teams like Washington – uh, and then there's teams like Brooklyn who are just old and, and not healthy right now and, and, and kind of struggling to get their feet underneath them. When you look at the Eastern Conference, which team has kind of disappointed you the most? Uh, and which team do you think maybe this is what we're going to get? Maybe we should already be saying, oh, wow, you know, they're just, they're just not as good as we thought. Or, and then which team, you know, is it just growing pains? Well, I mean, the, the crazy thing about it is, like, at the same time that, you know, so we, we all sort of expected the top six in the East to be in some order. You know, obviously the Heat, the Pacers, the Bulls, but then the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Nets were all sort of expected to be there. But now the Knicks and Nets have sort of dropped out, but no one's really taken their spot because, like, yeah. all those other fringe teams like the Cavs and the Wizards and the Pistons, they're at the bottom of the conference too. And the teams that are sort of rising up are Philly and Charlotte, which nobody saw coming. And I don't think that's going to sustain either. So, like, it's a, there's a real jumble at the bottom there. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned Brooklyn, and this is something that just clicked in my head, uh, you, know, you know, two hours ago this morning. Like, we're expecting them to be this 50-win team. But the guys that they brought in, Garnett and Pierce and Terry, like, they were the best guys on a team that was 41-41 and 41 last year. Like, it's yeah. not like the Celtics were a juggernaut and then they brought in the core of the Celtics. Like, they brought in the core of a 500 team. And it's not like the rest of Brooklyn is much better than the rest of what Boston was last year. So I'm not sure if Brooklyn is, you know, maybe this isn't growing pains. Maybe they're just not going to be that good. Maybe they're only going to be a 500 team like the Celtics were last year. Um, but, I mean, if, if I was going to look at one team – to, like, obviously, there's going to be now a void at the bottom of the Eastern Conference bracket. So, um, if I was going to look at one team, um, like, it, it's tough to pick any of these out because it all seems like, seems like they have so many flaws. Detroit's defense, I thought, was going to be good. It's terrible. Um, Washington's offense, I thought, was going to be better because they had Wall healthy, and it's been terrible. Um, you know, Cleveland... It, it seems like they're the ones that have the highest ceiling right now because they're, you know, they've been struggling because Bynum's been out and Kyrie Irving hasn't played well, and I expect those two things to change. I think Bynum's going to get healthier as the season goes on, and I think Irving's going to start actually making jump shots for a change. So, I mean, that's the team that I would look to step up and maybe get as high as the fifth seed in the East. But, you know, right now it's like it looks like all these teams are terrible and they, you know, we might end up with two teams in the in the East that make the playoffs with losing records. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly seems like it could be that way. Uh, Kels, I'll, I'll let you jump in on this. Look at the Eastern Conference. Look at teams like Detroit, Washington, Cleveland. I mean, uh, is there a difference for optimism on any of those teams right now? Uh, well, I remember having this conversation back in the summer, Joe, and I, I yeah. just wasn't high on the Wizards. I know everyone else was. 
But uh, I, they just suck. I mean, they're just terrible. They're a terrible <laughs> team. They, uh, they're still so young. I mean, it's just like John Wall, I understand him coming back, but offensively they have no idea what they're doing out there. Um, they're not great defensively either. And then uh, I think Cleveland, like I would have expected them to be much better than they are so far. I thought Kyrie was going to kind of take that next step. Um, and I thought the addition of Bynum, obviously, uh, he would have helped out. He's been hurt, obviously. But you look at uh, Verizal coming back, Waiters, I thought, you know, was going to take that next step as well and make them into a, you know, playoff team. And with everyone else struggling, you would have thought they might have been that team that would have stepped up and been that fourth seed or fifth seed, like Jeremy said. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, when you look at the Nets, I mean, they're basically this year's Lakers of last year uh, when you look at it because, like Jeremy said, obviously uh, Garnett and Pierce from a 41-41 and 41 team last year, another year older. Paul Pierce looks like he's got nothing left. I mean, he's just throwing terrible passes. He looks like he should be playing in the YMCA right now, not the <laughs> NBA. And uh, he's he's just been horrible so far this year. He's been god-awful. Uh, just looks like he should probably just hang it up right now. And uh, But I think the reason why people thought that they were going to be that championship caliber team or maybe the next level down was because of the fact that you still have Joe Johnson, but he's just been a dog so far this year. He just plays with no heart. I've seen him. He does not take over in games, uh, just doesn't have that killer instinct, that mentality. And uh, obviously Darren Williams has been hurt. Brooke Lopez has been hurt. Uh, but those two guys, you would have thought that you know they would – at least play at the level that they played at last year, and you would have thought maybe Paul Pierce can add some crunch time, you know, buckets, a guy to go to down the stretch, but it just hasn't been the case. Sean Livingston's basically been their best player so far. So, I mean, those three teams, obviously very disappointing. Um, and I don't know who's going to take their spot at this point. I would expect, uh, as Jeremy said, the Cavs to move back up there, but everyone's playing so poorly in the East. I think we should just take another playoff team from the West and put them in the East because I think we'd have better basketball come springtime. So, Yeah, well, you know, there's been a lot of years where that's been the case. So uh, this isn't really anything new. Uh, let's move over to the West a little bit. And, Jeremy, you, you threw a stat at me before we got on the air. There was um, The Clippers right now have the second-best offense but the second-worst defense. And it's, it's kind of like, well, can they keep this? offensive pair going and they had a minor scare we were watching the other night with Blake Griffin and we thought he was seriously injured uh, and then he came back onto the floor and threw down a couple uh, highlight reel dunks and kind of uh, was like oh nope, I, I, I guess he's fine that could be Blake Griffin so they had that their offense is really humming right now Chris Paul is just you know being Chris Paul doing Chris Paul-y things uh, but again the defense is not so great uh, kind of do you expect this offensive pair to continue do you expect them to still be one of the if not the best offensive team in the league, but an elite offense that can just win shootouts? And do you expect the defense to get any better? Just kind of where do you think the Clippers are going to end? Are they the favorites in the West right now? I'll throw that out of you. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say that they're the favorites in the West. I think just there's, there's too many teams that seem to be on the same level to call any of them the favorites would be a little bit mm-hmm. unfair. Um, I, I do think the Clippers' offense is going to stay this good all year. It might even become better because um, if you look at the players individually, like Chris Paul is only shooting 24% from three. J.J. Reddick's only shooting 37% from three. Jared Dudley's only shooting 32% from three. So th- I think those numbers are going to get closer to 40 or even above 40 in the case of Reddick as the season goes on. So their, their offense could be even more efficient by the end of the season. Um, so I definitely think they're going to be a team that, at the very least, can win shootouts like, you know, the old uh, teams from, like, 2005 to 2008. Um, I mean, the worry thing, the worrisome thing 
not only are they second to last in defense, but their starting unit is actually defending at a top 10 level. It's just that their bench, whenever a single bench player is on the floor, their defensive rating is the equivalent of the worst in the history of the league. It's like unexplainably bad. Or not unexplainably bad because they have Byron Mullins on the bench, but it's, it's really incredibly bad. Um, and I'm not sure what the fix is because it's not like they can, uh, they don't really have assets to trade anymore because they already traded Bledsoe to get Reddick and Dudley. Uh, and they don't. There's no real free agent out there that's going to come in and fix their backline defense. Like there've been talks about them maybe signing Lamar Odom, but he's been a head case um, ever since he left the team last year. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's any uh, personnel fixes out there. The hope that they're going to have to hang their hat on is that Doc Rivers can sort of manufacture a defense yeah. out of the parts that he has, and. I mean, there was a, a friend of mine, Jared Dubin, wrote a piece for Grantland uh, over the summer about this is a really interesting test case over what matters on defense. Is it personnel or is it the scheme? Because if it's the scheme, then it seems like Doc Rivers should be able to put together a good defense here. Um, but if it's personnel that really matters, they don't have any you know, seriously good defender other than Chris Paul, and he's their point guard, and point guard defense doesn't really matter that much. Um, you know, DeAndre Jordan has all the, the the physical tools, but he's out of position a lot. Um, so if, if Rivers can sort of get through to him and be like, this is where you need to be and sort of really be hands-on and teaching him how to be an NBA center on defense, um, that's, you know, when they can start to creep up back towards, you know, top 15 defense. I don't think they're going to be an elite defense. But for right now, it seems like they're going to be in a team, they're going to be a team that's going to be a lot of games that are, you know, 121 to 116, like the game that they had against Houston or Golden State, those those games were really high scoring. So it seems like that's going to be the team they're going to be for now. Yeah, and you, met, you mentioned Doc Rivers, uh, obviously a guy that's known for his uh, his ability to coach up a defense and, and build a defense. So this, this will be interesting. I think the hope was that he would take, you know, the athleticism that the Clippers have and turn them into one that can translate that on the defensive end. Kel's a uh, do you think this is a team that, that can have it? Not you know, like Jeremy said, not an elite defense, but a defense capable of carrying them to a championship with as good as their offense is. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things that is going to determine that, like Jeremy said, is how DeAndre Jordan can play. Because I think Doc mm-hmm. R- Doc Rivers mentioned uh, when he got there that he wanted him to be an elite defensive player, uh, and it hasn't happened really so far. But obviously, it's still early in the season, so. I think they do have the the tools. I think uh, personnel-wise, like Jeremy said, not great. But, you know, when you look at the system and you look at the way the Celtics played defense and the way they focused on it and uh, paid attention to it, it really paid dividends in the playoffs. And I think this year in the West, when you look at the Grizzlies, I mean, th- that's been their their uh, foil the last couple of years, the Clippers. And, and mm-hmm. Memphis is not as good. I know they just beat them last night, but Memphis can't score. So I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be there like they were last year. I don't think they should have fired Lionel Hollins because I think he was great for that team. but So I think the Clippers are going to have less uh, teams to go through, and they do they do look pretty good. I mean, they just lost their first home game last night. I think they could compile a record over the course of the regular season that maybe gets them you know, a, a number one seed or a number two seed. And then from there, I think in the playoffs, if they can win at home, it's going to be interesting to see how far they can go. And I think uh, I think there's less teams out there 
that have more talent than they do. I think they can they can put it together if they buy in defensively. I think they can be a team that gets to the NBA Finals. Yeah, and they're certainly a, a trendy pick right now. All right, guys, we're running out of time. That's all the time we've got for you. Thank you so much, everyone at home, for joining us in our new time slot every Tuesday at noon. Thank you for tuning in to Taking You to School. Once again, I'm Joe Perillo of SweetSports.com. For Kel Dayton and Jeremy Conlon, we'll see you next week, everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.